Hello and welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game and see if that story bites us back. My name is Bill, this is episode 36. Thanks for listening. Welcome back everybody. Autumn is, well, coming in like a lamb, going out like a lion later maybe? Or is that springtime? I'm very confused. Especially because it's not much fall around here. It was 85 and humid today. My kid came downstairs dressed for school in long pants and a cardigan. And I was like, I don't think that's going to work today. Very strange. Granted, it's only mid-September, but it's on the latter half of mid-September, if that makes sense. And I'm already in the mindset of jeans and bourbon mixed in with my hot chocolate and crunching through the leaves. But none of that's happening yet. Oh well. Just goes to show once again, life is really, really unfair. Let's see what's happening in news this week. Oh, the big news for me this week? MacGyver! That's right. By the time you hear this episode, the first episode of the brand new, relaunched, rebooted, reimagined, re-everything MacGyver will have premiered on CBS, due to appear on September 23rd. I'm pretty pumped for this. I was a huge MacGyver fan as a kid. When I wasn't playing Atari, I was probably watching MacGyver, or Doctor Who, but MacGyver was definitely in there, and it was one of my favorite shows. I just thought the character was great. Richard Dean Anderson was great in the part. It was... I, heroes with guns and so forth didn't necessarily bother me, but it was cool to see a hero who didn't use guns and used science instead. As the show went on, season after season, it got harder for the writers to come up with cool new science-y things for MacGyver to invent, but the idea was always there that the, the character was very pro-science, very anti-gun, anti-violence, although they did knock people out occasionally. So I, I think the time is right to bring the show back. And from what I've read, it sounds like they're trying to be pretty faithful to the original while still reflecting the fact that Frankly, it's 30 years later now. Uh, it's a different world we live in. The descriptions for the pilot and the new series, there are a lot of familiar names of characters from the old show. The setting seems to be similar. I, I think they're trying to to pay homage to the original, but still do a new show that reflects 2016 as opposed to 1986. So I'm excited about it. I'm assuming by the time you hear this that the show has already garnered massively huge audiences and positive reviews and will run forever and ever and will happily cut into my Atari playing time. I'm looking forward to it. You guys let me know what you think. Oh, by the way, if you like MacGyver, here's a podcast plug for you. The Phoenix Foundation is a, well, it was more or less a weekly podcast, but lately they've been cranking out episodes a lot more often than that because they've been, I think, trying to hurry to get to the end of the series so that they could start doing episodic reviews of the new series when it starts, but it's an episode-by-episode review of the original MacGyver series, and it's very entertaining. They get off a lot of tangents that are pretty amusing, and it's a good time, so I would check that out. You can find, you can tweet at them on Twitter, obviously. If you try to tweet at them on Facebook or something, the internet will just stare at you, but you can tweet at them at Opening Gambit, an homage to the first year or two of the series when they would do an opening gambit uh, as a cold opening for the series. 
and I kind of missed those when they stopped doing them. If you ever watched the show, you know what I'm talking about. Kind of like um, the cold open for a James Bond movie. A little action sequence that really had nothing to do with the main story of the episode, but just kind of kicked things off and got in the mood for an adventure. So, I'm excited about the new series. I will probably mention it next week after I get a chance to see the new series. And just another sign that all things retro, um, you know, we used to think that the meek would inherit the earth, but it's starting to look like the retro will inherit the earth. So, no complaints here. In other news, Atari movie update. There is no Atari movie update this week, so we'll just skip right along to the main course for this week. This week's game is... Thanks, 10th Dr. David Tennant from the Doctor Who episode, The Christmas Invasion. You're absolutely right, Doctor. Tonight, we're playing Defended. Wait, that's not right. Oops. I mean, we're playing Defender from Atari 1982. This, as I recall, was a hugely popular game, both in the arcade and on the Atari. I had it as a kid. It's one of the games that I have still from my original set of games from my childhood. And it's fun. I liked it as a kid. I like it now. I I don't know. I, I guess I'm not blown away by it for some reason. Although I can't really say why. It's a really good, fast-moving game. It's fun to look at. Got lots of great sounds. I guess it's a little bit like, oh, I don't know, not to get political, but it's a little bit like Hillary Clinton on paper. She's hugely qualified to be president, but at the same time, it's just kind of hard to get excited about her. So, for some reason, that's how I kind of feel about Defender, and I feel bad, because like I said, I know it's a popular game, and I play it, and it's fun, but I just, I don't go gaga for it. It's kind of weird. So, maybe we should read from the manual. Maybe that will help. Um, it should, because the manual actually starts out with kind of a little story of sorts. Chapter 1 of the manual. By the way, this is a very long manual, so, you know, buckle up. Get comfy. Put on your slippers and grab a beverage of your choice. This could take a while. Chapter 1. Rescue the Humanoids. Earth's friendship signals, friendship in quotes, by the way, Beamed into deep space beyond the Milky Way have attracted extraterrestrial beings, all right, but not the ones we expected. Which begs the question, what exactly did they expect? Knowing humans, they expected beings that look and think exactly like them. Oh wait, that's Americans, specifically, that I was talking about. Now wave after wave of warlike aliens from some unidentified solar system home in and attack. In the cockpit of Universal Spaceship Defender, kind of a long clunky name, they could have just called it Enterprise or something. You wait tensely, watching your scanner for approaching aliens. By the way, 
There are a whole lot of capitalized names in this tiny little story, and which is one of the knocks I have on this game. There's a lot of different types of ships and things to be aware of and keep track of, because they're all supposedly slightly different, although in reality I'm not sure they really are, because you're pretty much there to blast everything with your laser. So anyway, back to the manual. There they are! First comes a lone bomber, capital B, laying space mines. You pick that off with your laser missiles, with no trouble. But an innocent-looking, capital P, pod, ship explodes when you hit it, releasing clusters of missiles spitting, capital S, swarmers. Whew, that was close. Now what? Your scanner shows a convoy of saucer-shaped, capital B, baiters, coming fast and escorting a squadron of, capital L, landers. Space Intelligence has informed you that the lander's diabolical mission... You know what? Diabolical feels to me like Lux Luthor is diabolical. The Nazis were diabolical. Aliens invading your planet are not diabolical. They're, they're warlike. They're conquering conquerors, at least. Diabolical, to me, implies uh, mustache twirling, not, you know, invading. Space Intelligence has informed you that the lander's diabolical mission is to kidnap Earth's humanoid, capital E, capital H, and transform them into hideous flying, capital M, mutants, program to destroy the cities and take over Earth, capital E. Wait, that actually should be capitalized. Anyway, in the city below, humanoids, capital H, run helter-skelter through the streets like frightened ants. Some cower in doorways, hoping, no doubt, that the landers will overlook them, or perhaps thinking that there's an earthquake. Not sure. Capital L, Landers, by the way. No chance. Look, see that terrified humanoid wriggling helplessly in the force of the lander beam? Okay, that's kind of a creepy thought. No time to lose. Thrust out and blast that lander with your laser missiles. There, that got him. Now dive down and catch the humanoid. Hurry, hurry, he's falling fast. Yeah, that's the weird thing about this game. Maybe I'm jumping ahead here, but... In the game, you can see the lander come down and pick up a little bluish-white dot, which is represents the humans. Humanoids. That's the part, That's one part I don't get. Also, you're on Earth, clearly. Why don't you just call them humans? Anyway, the humanoids, and you can see the ship pick up the little dot. And then you, to rescue them, you have to blast the ship. You have to obliterate the ship, causing the humanoids to free fall. And then you have to catch them and set them down on the ground in the city. That doesn't seem like the greatest plan to me. But I'm not the head of, what is it? Space Intelligence. The Universal Spaceship org or whatever. Chapter 2, Gameplay. As commander of Universal Spaceship Defender. Ah, crap. I guess I am the commander. Anyway, you've been assigned by Earth Security, capital E, capital S, to rid, capital P, capital E, planet Earth of the capital A, aliens, and rescue, capital H, humanoids, from the capital L, landers. You score points for each alien spaceship you destroy with your laser missiles and smart bombs, and for each humanoid you save. In one player games, your object is to top your highest score. In two player games, the player with the highest score wins the game. Game ends when the aliens finally destroy Defender and conquer Earth, which seems like sort of a depressing ending, but then life often has depressing endings. <sighs> anyway, lives and smart bombs. You begin a game with three Defender lives and three smart bombs. The number of lives remaining in a game is displayed at the bottom left of the television screen, and the number of smart, bomb smart bombs remaining is shown at the bottom right. Each time Defender collides with an alien or is hit with an alien missile or mine, it disintegrates with a whoosh and vanishes. If it's the last life, the game is over. If a life remains, Defender rematerializes in its starting position on the left side of the television screen 
and the game continues. Every 10,000 points, you have to get your oil changed. Wait, that's not right. De oh, Defender acquires a bonus life and smart bomb. You can earn any number of bonus lives and bombs, but the computer only displays three at a time. Okay. The computer gives you an audible signal when you earn another life and smart bomb. Alien attack waves. The first wave of aliens attack when you press the red button on the joystick controller, or the game reset switch. Be ready with your joystick controller to blast aliens as soon as you hear the air raid alarm. Bombers lay mines to trap you. Baiters are fast pursuit ships that home in and shoot you. Shoot at you. Pods explode when hit and release swarmers. Fast little ships that travel in clusters of four and fire missiles. Full disclosure, I don't think the swarmers are any faster than the pods. Just saying. Landers also fire missiles as they search the city for humanoids to kidnap and mutate. Mutants move in fast for the kill, shooting as they come. In the field report tonight, spoiler, I didn't get so far as to see the mutants. I'm just kind of trusting that they're there. And I do have some memory of these little red... They kind of look like sort of a cross between just an X with a square in the middle and a skull and crossbones, except it's red. And I do kind of remember seeing them at some point, probably back in the day when I was actually playing these games regularly. When Defenders destroyed all the aliens in the first wave, another wave of aliens, faster and tougher than the first one, moves in. The longer Defender survives, the harder the waves of aliens become. End of a wave. A wave does not end until Defenders destroyed all the aliens in it. When that happens, the number of waves... The number of the wave completed flashes in the center of the television screen. Defender uses conventional laser missiles and smart bombs to blast enemy aliens and can employ its secret weapon, hyperspace time warp, to stage a strategic retreat. Dance to the time warp again! Wow, that was awful. Yet another reason that I've never been to a Rocky Horror Picture Show sing-along. Laser missiles. Laser missiles are your first line of defense. Fortunately, they are unlimited. To deploy missiles, point Defender at the target and press the red controller button. Smart Bombs Smart Bombs are an effective means of mass destruction. One detonation takes care of every alien on the television screen in front of you, and you earn points for each alien destroyed. To detonate a Smart Bomb, move Defender down behind the city and press the red controller button. Use Smart Bombs sparingly and strategically. It's a good idea to keep one in reserve in case you get fenced in by aliens or need to push across a 10,000 point boundary to win another life and Smart Bomb. Hyperspace Time Warp I'm not going to sing again, don't worry. The ultra-secret device enables Defender to disappear, warp through time and space, and instantly reappear in another space quadrant. Okay, first of all, how secret is it if you're putting it in your manual? Don't you think the aliens can read? They found the McDonald's, didn't they? Aliens love Happy Meals. And secondly, if you can travel through time, why don't you just go back and stop the aliens from invading? Go back and smack upside the head Whoever thought it'd be a good idea to start beaming signals out into space, saying, Hey, aliens, we're a semi-advanced culture. Why don't you come and visit us? Because if you can get here, your technology is clearly way better than ours. So, yeah, just come on by and see us. What could happen? But, anyway, they sort of gloss over the time part of the hyperspace time warp and focus more on the space part. To enter hyperspace... Push the joystick controller fully forward away from you and hold it in that position until Defender has moved up to the top left of the television screen and disappeared behind the scanner. Then press the red controller button on your joystick. The Defender warps through time and space. Aliens disappear. When the Defender reappears, the aliens also reappear. What the hell good was that then? I'm very confused. Using the scanner. Get into the habit of using the scanner to fight aliens and rescue humanoids. Spoiler, the scanner is worthless. The scanner gives you the following vital information. Yeah, right. How many aliens are approaching? Which humanoids being abducted? 
how many humanoids remain to be defended and where they are. Yeah, that's a big bunch of hooey. Scanner is similar to a radar screen. Every blip on it reflects an object in the game. The rectangular blip is defender. The four small stationary blips at the bottom of the scanner are humanoids. A fifth humanoid is being kidnapped by a lander and carried toward the top of the television screen. The remaining blips are aliens. By the way, I just realized everything I read is in figure four of the manual, which you can't see because this is audio, not video. I think I'd know that by now after 36 episodes. Aliens can wrap around the television screen horizontally and vertically. The blips are colored to help you distinguish between blue baiters and bombers, yellow landers and pods, or red mutants. Uh, there's a little footnote here. Colors may vary depending on the settings of your television set. Rescuing humanoids. While destroying aliens is very important, your chief obligation is to rescue the humanoids from the landers. At the end of a wave, you score 100 bonus points for every humanoid survivor. The five humanoids are cowering near the buildings at the bottom of the television screen. You can't see all five at one time, but if you push the joystick controller to the right or left, and you take a slow flight over the city, you will see them all. Defenders, the humanoids, only defense against the landers. Use the scanner to locate them and patrol their positions. When a humanoid is captured, is kidnapped, and you hear his plaintive cry for help, like the chatter of an excited chipmunk. Well, that's what that is. I wonder what that noise is supposed to be. Go to his rescue immediately. Nine times out of ten, however, he won't be on the television screen in front of you, and you will have to locate him. If you fly over the city searching for him, you may arrive too late to save him. Use the scanner. The scanner is the fastest way to spot a kidnapping. Look for the humanoid that is being lifted up toward the top of the scanner. Keep monitoring the humanoid's position on the scanner as you fly to his rescue, and adjust your position accordingly. With practice, you will arrive in time to blast the lander and save the humanoid even during the fastest waves. To rescue the humanoid, destroy the lander and let the humanoid free fall safely to Earth. Destroy the lander and catch the humanoid and carry him back to Earth. Okay. I don't see why you get a choice. Uh, oh. They're going to tell me. The free fall rescue is only effective if the humanoid is close enough to Earth to land safely. You'll have to do a little experiment to find out how close that is. If the humanoid lands safely, the computer plays a short, happy tune and adds 250 bonus points to your score, in addition to the 150 points you earn for destroying the lander. If the humanoid does not land safely, the computer emits a gentle crash or crunch sound, and that's all. Ew, that is gross. Needless to say, no bonus points are added to your score when a humanoid crash lands. Nope. You don't get no bones for any crunching humans. Sorry, crunching humanoids. Note, don't worry about the humanoids getting hit, either by an alien missile or your own missile during an attempted rescue or freefall. Alien humanoids are not vulnerable to missiles and bombs, only to heights. Wait, so humanoids... First of all, planet Earth is occupied not by humans, but humanoids, and they are impervious to lasers and missiles and bombs? How do the aliens... How can the aliens even capture them? I'm very, very confused. Catching a humanoid in midair and bringing him back alive is much more difficult than the free-fall rescue and earns more bonus points. To catch a humanoid, maneuver a defender in contact with him. If you succeed in catching the humanoid and bringing him back to Earth, you earn a thousand bonus points. If you manage to catch him but do not return him safely to Earth, you earn 500 points. Earth wants its humanoids back, dead or alive. There are times when you may want to catch a humanoid and hold on to him instead of returning him to Earth. To play bridge or something. As long as you hold a humanoid, Alien landers cannot abduct any other humanoids during the wave. What? Like a hostage thing? Alright, you aliens. Stop invading or I'll kill this humanoid. That's a weird game, man. At the end of a wave, the humanoid counts as a survivor and earns you 100 bonus points. However, you are not allowed to carry him into the next wave. The computer automatically returns him to the city. Seems like the computer could have done that before and saved me a lot of work. Self-sacrifice. There's a third way to save a humanoid. Defender can sacrifice a life for him by colliding with the lander abductor. 
Well, this is very noble, and is not very practical unless Defender has lives to spare. Self-sacrifice does not earn you any bonus points, only 150 points for destroying the lander. Mutant Takeover. If Defender does not succeed in rescuing a humanoid, the lander that, that abducted him carries him up into space, transforms him into a mutant, and programs him to return and attack Earth. When all five humanoids have been destroyed, whether by mutating or falling, the city blows up and disappears, and mutant populations take over the Earth. The game continues with the mutants until they destroy Defender or revert to humanoids in Wave 5 or a multiple of Wave 5. I think I might have gotten that far when I was a kid, but I don't remember what this level looks like. Game action is the same after the mutant takeover. The fifth wave. The mutant takeover is only good for four waves. Every fifth wave, the mutants revert to humanoids, and any cities destroyed or rebuilt. Well, that's handy. Um, the next section of the manual just talks about using the controllers and the console controls, but you guys know how all that stuff works. Scoring. Your score appears in the game window at the bottom of the television screen when you press the game reset switch or the red button on your controller to begin a game. In two-player games, you and your opponent take turns scoring. When it's your opponent's turn to score, the computer resets the score counter for him, but it keeps track of your score and status so that you can resume the game where you left off when it's your turn again. Don't worry, you can trust the computer. <laughs> yeah. Famous last words. When the game ends, the computer flashes your score and your opponent's score alternately. Highest score wins. Pod, 1,000 points. Swarmer, 500. Bomber, 250. Bader, 200. Lander, 150. Seems to me that should be worth more because if you destroy the lander, you have a shot at getting the humanoids back. Or they won't be able to get the humanoids at all. But I didn't make up the scoring. Mutant, 150. Humanoid rescue missions. Falls from lander and lives, 250 points. Caught, but not brought back. 500 points. Caught and brought back. 1,000 points. Bonus, 100 points for each humanoid alive at the end of a wave. Every 10,000 points, you earn an additional defender life and smart bomb. Game variations. Games... Speeds vary from slow children's games, 10 and 20, to very fast all-mutant games, games 369 and 1360-19. Games with mixed aliens are either fast or moderately fast, depending upon the speed with which landers kidnap humanoids and baiters attack Defender. There are mutant training missions, there are games where you can skip waves, one-player games, two-player games, there's something like a thousand different games. Or maybe not a thousand, it's like maybe 20. Helpful hints. Listen to the sounds. Defender sounds are, very, are important to you in a life, a, a life and death matter to the humanoids. A highly pitched chatter like an excited chipmunk is a humanoid's cry for help. Or maybe it's an excited chipmunk. Uh, who are we to judge? When you hear it, immediately go to the rescue. Maybe that's the mutation. Maybe the humanoids turn into chattering chipmunks. That would be awesome. If you let a humanoid free fall to earth and hear crash or crunch. Oh, by the way, has anybody read Squirrel Girl? It's a comic book about a girl whose superpower is she's a squirrel, apparently. I don't know, I haven't actually read it, but it's hugely popular. So if you have read it, let me know. Anyway, what was I talking about? Use the scanner. Practice using the scanner to find out where aliens are coming from, which humanoids are being kidnapped, and which humanoids remain to be defended. The scanner is an important strategic element in any game. No, it's not. When you learn to rely on it, it will help you improve your score. That's a bunch of BS. Speed is important. Keep Defender moving forward at the highest speed you can manage without losing control. Remember that moving target is harder to hit. Reversing direction suddenly is a good ploy. I will attest to that. I think when the defender ship reverses direction, it actually looks really cool on screen. And it's just fun to do, just because. Confuses aliens and stops them in their tracks. In the instant it takes an alien to recover, you can get defender into a strategic position, reverse again, and blast the alien with your laser missiles. Smart bombs. If you don't want to let loose a lot of swarmers, 
at the start of a wave, use smart bombs instead of laser missiles to destroy pods, but use the bombs sparingly. Catch and carry. If you are in a fast wave, catch and carry a humanoid. Remember the lander can't pick up another humanoid while defender is holding one, which seems like very poor lander planning, if you ask me. Uh, and that's it. The last page of the manual is the game select matrix, which kind of breaks down for each of the games, the numbered games, what you're getting in that game. So, phew. I'm exhausted from reading that manual. Maybe we'll just skip the rest of the episode and take a little nap. What do you think? Nah, I'm just kidding. Okay, so like I said, you know, reading the manual and playing the game a little bit again tonight, I get why people like this game, and I like the game. I'm just not, like, Pitfall 2 or Miss Pac-Man excited for this game. So, you know, that's just me. If you guys disagree, let me know. So, we've got a job to do tonight, guys. We need to defend the Earth. We cannot let David Tennant, Tenth Doctor, down. After the break, we'll try really hard not to do that. I'll be damned. Stephen Hawking was right about this, too. He warned us not to go looking for alien life. Sorry, Stephen. We should have listened to you. I can't decide what I think of Defender. It's a really good-looking game. It was really popular back in the day. Ooh, ouch. I got the skyline. Man, it's hard to talk and play at the same time. I think after 36 episodes, I would know that. The aliens look good. There's too many different kinds to keep track of which ones are the swarmers and which are the baiters, which are the landers. The sound is good. The ship goes fast enough, you almost get kind of nauseous. That's a bonus when you play a game. Yeah, take that. My humans today. Ooh. Come back with my humans. Yay, they're saved. So when Wow, that was it. I'm actually kinda stunned. Well, back to you in the studio. And then tell them this planet is armed and we do not surrender. It seems to me, for a civilization so preoccupied with space programs, and science fiction, and fantasy, and the prospect of better technology for things even that aren't the new iPhone, we as a group seem to have a pretty gloomy view of how first contact with aliens is going to go down. All the really good alien contact stories usually involve a whole bunch of people dying or being enslaved, or things blowing up. SETI, the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence, which has been scanning signals from space for years, decades maybe, looking for uh, signals that indicate that they're not just random space noise. They're looking for signs of, of intelligent, purposeful signals from space. They recently made some news, which 
frankly doesn't happen all that often for SETI, when it announced that it had found a deliberate sounding signal, yeah, out of the many, many uncountable hours of signals that they've analyzed, and they're still studying it. So, who knows? Maybe we're seeing the start of the real-world defender scenario going on, which makes this a timely time, if I may say so. And I just did. A timely time for yet another Alien Conquest-drenched entertainment story. Is the hopper full, or is there room for one more? Let's find out. As always, we're going to break this down by the five elements of a typical story. The introduction is the setup. The rising action is where events are starting to happen. Conflicts are starting to be sussed out. You're getting to know who these characters are. The climax is where the conflict comes to a head. The fate of the characters is kind of decided, and you know where the story's going to go. The falling action is where the effects of the climax are felt. Things are starting to wind down. Plots are starting to be resolved. And you slide, hopefully, gracefully into the resolution or denouement, which is just a fancy way of saying that's where the story ends. Hopefully, with all the threads neatly tied up. So, we know from the manual that Defender... The scenario in Defender started because the humanoids on Earth, I still want to unpack that a little bit, why not just call them humans? But the humanoids on Earth started beaming out signals to space, and then they got all bitchy when the aliens responded, like, come on humanoids, what did you expect? But we know that's what happened. So now they're being invaded because they reached out to the stars. And here's how I think that went down. Here's the setup, the introduction. My family and the Ian's family go way back. I'm the oldest in my family. Al, my friend, is the youngest in his family. We've been friends forever, but we're also super competitive. We used to have foot races, bet on sports. We did competitive candle making, but we got tired of all that. Been there, done that, to use a beaten down cliche. So one day, Al couldn't get a signal on his phone. The iPhone 49. That's it, he said. I'm going to invent a better cell phone. Well, by this point it was a reflex. So I immediately said, I'm going to build a better one than you. And the bet was on. Okay, here's our characters, Al and me. We're friends, we're competitive. Cell phones suck. We have a contest to make a better cell phone. Rising action. Things are heating up. We worked for days. I know that sounds like a long time, but keep in mind, Al is a car salesman and I am a podiatrist. So mastering advanced telecommunications technology takes a little longer than you'd expect. We needed eight, nine days. Finally, after a lot of trial and error, the trader where the Walmart used to be was especially regrettable. I had in front of me a beauty of a new phone, deceptively packaged in a Pringles can because why not? Try a place to call. Mr. Ian's, I said into the Pringle can. Yo, Al. I'm calling Al Ian's, and then someone answered. Well, I sort of won the bet. We're in the climax now. We're going to have the showdown. Basically, the action in Defender is the climax. I sort of won the bet. Al Ian's did show up, all right, but I still haven't collected the Dave & Buster's gift card from Al yet. Probably that's because of all the invading and destruction of civilization and turning people into mutants and all that. 
All the Dave and Buster's franchises are incubators for the next generation of overlord overlords now anyway. So the fight is on. Civilization is in peril. Defender is defending. Is a little hard out. So now we've had the big fight and we're dealing with the ramifications of that big fight. The falling action. Turns out Al lost the cell phone bet because he was also busy inventing Universal Spaceship Defender. The show off. That ship did a pretty nice job, you know, defending us. Earth is saved till the next wave, but we won't talk about that now. I'd buy Al a drink if he wasn't a mutant now. Guess he should have invented an Al spaceship defender. <laughs> Alright, so. Thing we thought the conflict was resolved, but we lost Al. He's a mutant now. So we're just gonna quietly move into the resolution. I've been waiting for a plate of wings at this Dave and Buster's for an hour. I had to send the first order back because it was covered in slime and kept leaping off the plate to try and strangle me. Maybe next time I'll invent a better deep fryer. <laughs> And that's our show. Thanks to Kevin McLeod and Incompetech.com for Creative Commons' use of his songs, Take a Chance, Reformat, and Pinball Spring. You can find Atari Bytes on Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, and of course, iTunes, among many other podcatchers. Do please leave a review on iTunes. It helps the rankings of the show, and it defends the internet, the purveyors, not the purveyors, the users of the internet from having to listen to lesser podcasts. You can defend your thoughts about what's happening in this game by emailing ataribytes2016 at gmail.com. You can like the Atari Bytes page on Facebook. You can follow the show on Twitter at Atari Bytes or follow me personally at Carnival of Glee. You can also help support the show financially with a little tip on the Atari Bytes Patreon page and by shopping at our Zazzle.com store the AB underscore pod underscore store. And also, if you're not tired of me already, every month on the 15th, a new episode of my other podcast drops. So check out It's a Podcast Charlie Brown for all your animated peanuts needs. Next time on Atari Bytes. Donkey Kong. So until next time, go play some old games. They've missed you.